What's up, everybody? Welcome to Sharpen Perspectives, episode 24. I am Jim Vandeveld of HMC Knives slash HMC Manufacturing, and I am joined today by my co-hosts, Ken Spaulding of Zodiac Engineering and Alex Steingraber of SPK Unlimited. What's going on, guys? What's up? We're back. We are back after a one-week hiatus. Last week was, uh, we really tried, but uh, Ken was again deathly ill. (laughs) <laughs> and uh alex alex starts work early and leaves work early yeah. and uh i am just the floater that's in the in-between always available but never available um but we're here this week one week hiatus um everybody's back to good feeling awesome and uh i'd like to think that everybody's humming it seems like leading up yeah. to this episode alex is super stoked on how well his uh, work holdings working out ken's finishing datums I conquered my coolant mishap yesterday, and um, life is good. I think we're having a good Wednesday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been a good week for me. Sure. Yeah, so has it been? Yeah, you're, you're, you're humming. You're moving towards your deadline. Yeah, yeah. I'm starting, to, I'm starting to assemble datums. Um, I mean, I got some together last week, but I ended up uh, spending a little bit more time, which I think was worth it, um, to really dial some stuff in on blades and uh, added more roughing tools and uh, some additional finishing passes in certain critical areas. And they're, they're fucking really nice now. I mean, I blasted some, there's absolutely zero stick. Um, I mean, that's just a kind of spring in there a little bit, but yeah, they're really, really nice. Um, and I contacted a couple guys that have rev NCs. I'm like, Hey, you know, if you're still having any stick or whatever, send it back. I got all this shit figured out. So that's all pretty good. So everybody's happy. Nice. I'm they, happy. Uh, are they sending um, stuff back or what? Yeah. Yeah. Just the, uh, the guy that got the auction knife, he's got a little bit of stick on it. Um, seems to be the only issue. So he's going to send it back. I'm going to send him a label today and get that one back. And hopefully when I carbonize it, it doesn't make the lock bar too short. <laughs> seems to always kind of shorten it up a little bit. I think I hit be it, okay. but I think it'll be all right though. So that'll be good. I'm stoked for that. Um, yeah, just moving along. I got a 3d printer a couple days ago. My buddy ended up getting a bamboo, so he's like, "Hey, I got this old Sick. one if you want." I'm like, you fuck get? yeah, I'll take it. It's an Ender Three Pro, and uh, so I've been printing all kinds of shit nice. with it. So it's been fun. So yeah, good week. Weekend was cool. And, uh, went to the beach and kind of reset. And after being sick and just cranking in here now, it's nice. Lock the match. Yeah. What do you have Very to do? Cool. Well, yeah, this is uh, this has been what the hell is going on. Anyways, this has been an interesting week for me. We've had been relatively productive, but um, man, I'm paying the price for some maintenance issues. I uh, I did not realize uh, just how many chips had gotten into my sump on the VF2. I mean, I was like literally at 50% coolant capacity um, when I took all this, strained all the chips out and then fed all the coolant through my Freddy and put it into the garbage can and then cycled it back in. I was at 52%. I was like, holy fuck, like... So you have 48% chips, chips in there. From? And I realized, honestly, <laughs> this is the first time I fully broke the sump down in the year that I've had it. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of times where that like pantyhose style, like filter that's over the, uh, you know, over the coolant tank as the coolant's coming out. Cause I don't know about you, but like, I've never had a single chip come out of my chip auger on the VF2. Every single chip I make goes through <laughs> the grate and gets strained in the back of the machine. Um, which is really annoying because at least on the super mini mill, some chips come out. So a lot of them end up in the coolant tank, but 
Um, yeah. So there's sometimes where I won't notice that like that filter's gotten full back there. Or like if I'm cutting composites, that that filter gets like jammed up and shit starts flowing over the sides and then like fuck, gotta stop it and go empty it out. But I don't really never quantify like how many chips were getting into my sump, you know? Um and so yeah, two nights ago I just came out here actually to switch parts and it was on the last was cutting the last uh sequence and I noticed that there was no all my flood coolant was jammed up. What the fuck? So yeah, I ended up tearing that all apart and uh I mean it I always forget it takes hours of hard labor to like really break a sump down and get it really fully cleaned. And it's so fucking messy, like coolant oil just everywhere. Slosh. Yeah, around mess is the issue. Yeah. Like it's just it was a dude. It was a mess. And I don't have a lot of room over there. And so it's just me pretty much laying in a pile of filth, like just banging my head off shit, banging my knees off shit. And, uh, yeah, finally last night at like 11 o'clock, I got that sorted, but I, I did end up ordering the Swarf Unlimited, um, sump filter that they make $600 later show, show sponsor cough, cough. Um, and so I'm very excited about that. Cause I think that that thing's like four or five inches tall, so it can really hold a lot more chips than, uh, than what the current situation is on the back of the VF2. Did and you get the I XL think it's going to make me hate uh i don't think so i think there's only one option for the 55 gallon sump oh yeah is there a, a taller version i think there was two different versions last time i checked but it might be for the older ones those big like machined ones yeah i'll have to check i mean weren't because they were significantly more expensive before weren't they like over a thousand dollars yeah they're like half the price now i think <clears throat> i think the xl one is you, actually just longer now while yeah I... sorry go ahead yeah no that's I I think that I thought the XL was for like the bigger machines, bigger coolant tanks. I didn't know if it was the same footprint. There's a high capacity one, standard high cap. Oh, these are illegal in California, the high cap ones. Why? No. Farm stuff. Oh, he's just joking. High, ca um, high capacity. High capacity. Yeah. I'm stupid. <laughs> I'm done. They'd be illegal in New York um, as well. <clears throat> the hell's the difference between these? Yeah. Yeah, the H1 stuff, H2. What the fuck is this? I saw the H2. I got the H2 standard high capacity sump filter screen. Sweet. And I don't know what the H1 or the H2 difference is. Oh, yeah. One of them is co compatible with the Haas 95-gallon sump, and the other one is with the Haas 55-gallon. So yeah. I got the only one that was uh, available for my size. But, yeah, I nice. think it should be a lot better. And Sweet. I actually was kind of talking to a buddy of mine that does a lot of fabrication stuff. And I was like, hey, well, let's get a look at this when it comes in, and maybe we could make a pair of them that would fit inside of the Super Mini Mill, slide in, and even if they caught like 30 to 40% of the chips before they hit the auger and I could swap them out, like it would be so helpful. You know, I don't really know how it'll work. He has a better brain for like, okay, this is how this is made. He looks at the space and I think we can get something, you know, something made for it. But I feel like everybody that's ever had like a, an old, a pre next gen super mini mill or mini mills, like, yeah, this integrated sump is fucking lame. So we'll see. Yeah, that'll be nice. It's a pain in the ass cleaning that one, especially. Uh, I mean, it's nice you got the Freddy, but still, it's probably. If still I didn't sucks. have the Freddy, it would be it's it's miserable. You're like 
Because like you have like a little porthole that's like five by seven, and like you have to reach in there up to your shoulder to like get the chips and shit out of the front of the sump. There's no good. It's just really a bad design. What? You can't Um, like take the top off? No, no. It's in the cast. Right into the base of the machine. Nothing comes out. It's in. Oh my gosh! Yeah, dude, it's awful. It's I mean, it's awful. Um, yeah, and, well, that uh, was one of the biggest things they re- when they redesigned it. They have like a proper tank in there now. The new mini mills are much better now. Uh, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But the, actually, the Freddy was it saved my life. But actually, yesterday, I even had to go through. So I didn't notice this, but um, for the Freddy, like, there's a residual amount of coolant that is retained in the bottom of the Freddy, like probably three to four inches that like when you're pu- when you're blowing it back out into the machine that like it can't suck that up. It's like the port gets too high and it just can't get it out of there. And I didn't really realize that the thing's heavy when you're reeling it around. So I had like three or four inches of co- coolant in there for like months and it got super moldy and nasty. And so yesterday I saw that. No, no. Oh, I thankfully good. when I saw that the hose, like the there was a little bit in the bottom of the the return hose that was moldy, and so I actually took it out to my driveway. Thankfully, it was like a warm day; it was like forty degrees, and I hosed it all out and scrubbed it all out and and got all that moldy shit out of there. But yeah, talk about ruining your coolant in a hurry, pumping yeah. that mold in there, smelling like stale ass. Good. Wonder why. Yeah, so it was yeah. here. Huh. You always hear about people talking about like, oh, I got saying, like a central like, cooling system where they're all content- connected. I'm like, all you're going to do is just contaminate everything if one of them goes bad. I'm like, fuck that. That does yeah. not sound like a yeah, good idea. No, no thanks. Anybody who's ever smelled like truly rancid coolant before, I mean, like, like blister your nose. Like, there's just nothing like it. Yeah, it's bad. So, yeah, that was my week. Um, running parts right now. Um, I'm switching transient stuff from like weekly drops to bi-weekly drops to uh, where it won't be anything more. It'll just be like two weeks worth of capacity released at once. The argument was like, well, somebody maybe has a better chance if the website, if there's more pieces on the website at one time, rather than like, the you know, four or five being gone every Friday. It's like maybe somebody has a better chance to get one out of 10 every other week. Um so I'm I'm transitioning to to that to see how that works out, and uh, yeah, I mean that's those are kind of like the only real changes. I got Carver and Brian Brown coming in this Sunday to spend five days here, so that's that's finally upon us. What is Carver's first name? <laughs> His real first name is Russell, but he goes by David. His name is Russell David Carver, so I call him Rusty. But um, yeah, David is what his real name is. Okay, his I wasn't even sure name. what his actual name was, and I was just like, <laughs> everyone just calls him Carver, and I was like, but what's his real name? Anyway, yeah, everybody, pretty much everybody calls him Carver. <laughs> I don't know anybody that calls him like anything other than that. Carver, Carver. But yeah, it works out. He's driving up from Tennessee, and um, he's actually driving through Cleveland, which is where Brian is flying into. And so he can actually grab Brian from the airport. I don't have to drive out there and drive back. Saves me three or three and a half hours in the car. Nice. Yeah, it's worth it. Yeah, it should, it should be decent, but uh, yeah, we're assembling knives. I got Mike is here now and you know, he's been, 
he's really been stepping up um, with regard to like process refinement for his own work. And, you know, I'm trying to tell him like, he'll, he, he'll see things like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like giving myself less to do. And I'm like, man, there's nothing in a business that's more important than like finding ways to save the company money, you know, like it then frees up your time to learn and do other things. You know, it's like, you can't look at it as, I remember that was always the thing when I was in the tool and die shop is that nobody wanted to train you because it's like, I'm training my replacement, taking, taking overtime out of my mouth, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? So like, stupid. It's like, you can't look at it like that. You know, it's, <laughs> we have like, we have bigger plans and higher aspirations. And the only way we get there is by like refining and improving what we're already doing so that we have more time and energy to like, to try new things. And uh, so, yeah, he's been keeping the machines running um, as I've been like finishing up some of these custom knives um and it's kind of been giving me the opportunity to like really just focus on on different aspects of the company that i really haven't been able to in the past which has been really nice so yeah i don't know what do you guys got going on for the rest of the week we didn't really kind of curate anything to talk about in this one um, yeah, we talked for like a half hour you know, but it was cool shit but... <laughs> we always talk about awesome stuff before the show or before the week we, we record and then i'll uh, most of it we can't really talk about yet but what i'm working on yeah yeah so yeah i've just been cranking out parts i got my cycle time down to an hour and 30 minutes on these op twos so i've just been like getting here at like four o'clock in the morning all week and just trying to bang out as many pieces as i can because everyone's really chomping at the bit for these gen fours and they want to pre-order and all that stuff so i just i like to get parts to a certain point in the process before i even pull the trigger on any of that stuff but uh yeah i mean I think, when you get within striking distance of finishing it's a lot easier to yeah like give a good lead time recommendation and exactly. not that, like you couldn't estimate it but like like you're talking <clears throat> like say if your pre-order was 100 knives and you know i mean that's 150 hours minimum of machine time just to get the scales on op two finished. I mean, what's your op one cycle time? Twenty five minutes or something like that. Oh, op one is two hours. For That's how many? Though? Uh, four, one, two, three, four, four full knives. So eight scales. Right. So it breaks down to like about thirty minutes a night. Yeah. So yeah. you're talking, and and your op two, you got it down to an hour and thirty per set of scales, or is that for four also? That's for a four also. Oh, damn. That's really fast, actually, for contour. Yeah. Damn, yeah. you're making me look bad. I think my – I'm usually an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. Well, my step one. was 20 thou. Not... That's what I'm at on mine. <clears throat> oh, yeah. See, oh, yours are just as long, Ken? Yeah. Mine are like 48 minutes and 53 minutes. Right around there. Because the lock yeah, size is like a little usually longer because it's got the pocket to 35 the minutes on op one. Yeah, my off I'm ones like are longer than my 35 minutes off one and fifty. Same. Really? Op ones are like forty-five ish minutes. Op twos are like thirty-five ish. Op twos are faster because it's external stuff. It's all the surfacing. That's faster than doing all the little details with the sixteenth end yeah. mill that I got to do. I've got a lot of small little details oh, in there. Yeah, you know, stop pin shit and all that, and bearing pockets and all the pocketing inside. So yeah, it's like a, I think I was like 48 and 53, 53 for the lock side. Cause it's got to do the pocket for the lock bar. And then uh external stuff I think was like right around like 35 or 40 minutes. 
Perfect Storm. So it ends up being like an hour and a half ish for uh, a complete frame inside outside. So like three hours for a pair, roughly. Damn, and then I'm I've definitely got, like, closer. I'm definitely. Oh, you're three hours for a pair. For a pair, inside and outside. Oh, because you're doing one at a time in Jaws. You're not even having dual stations. Oh, damn. So that's Correct. a long time. Yeah, it's a long yeah. time. It's too long. So I got to try and speed some stuff up. But right now, it's I'm mainly just yeah. concerned with getting good assemblies out. And then before I really refine stuff too much on cycle time, like even on the blades right now, I'm like just continually yeah. adding more tools to it, which wasn't necessary for whatever reason. When I ran the NCs, they ran so easy. Everything about those was super easy, even though the, the geometry is identical to the, there was no change in the blades on Rev A's. Uh, hmm. Aside from how I'm processing them, which is, you know, not having them ground by you or anything. So, but for whatever reason, like they're just fucking eating tools like way more than the, than the original ones, which is weird. Cause it's the same material. Yeah, that is so, very something's, peculiar. Something's up. I don't know what it is, but I mean, they're, they're good. They're definitely harder <laughs> to work on than the uh, than the Rev NCs. So if anything, they're probably going to last longer on the edge. I don't know why, but yeah, hopefully, man. I mean that. What the hell? What was that? That's your grumpy butthole, dude. That was your shop, right, Alex? What was that? Was it? That was Sounded for like sure, it. you, dude. <laughs> oh, you know what? It was it's a, a truck motorcycle by, no, it was a, we're right by a, like the main highway here and a truck must've went by and put on his, uh, Jake, brake Jake brakes. The, I can call. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's Alex, that's honestly really fast. That's cool that you're able to get them done. <clears throat> uh, but what I was getting at originally was if you took a pre-order at the front end, I mean, you're, you're at hundreds of hours of machine time just oh, yeah, yeah. for the long cycle stuff. And like to, you could quote it, but to tell people like, well, I got to add another month just for all of like the surfacing on the frames and everything for this, you know, better to just get it done and be like, oh, nope, these will be done in three weeks. You know, well, yeah, and that's like, why. It's, and that's why I usually that's why I think what I did on the first pre-order I did was like I got most of the work done. And then when I had to do blades, I was like, all right, it's going to be, you know, uh, three weeks. Because like blades are. Yeah. Blades are actually I can get those done fairly, fairly quickly. And as parts come off of the machine, I, I hand finish stuff and tumble and all that stuff. So, but yeah. And then assembly now I, I have down pretty quick and with these being like, you know, as close to perfect as I can get assembly is like super, super simple. <laughs> Yeah, that's always nice and everything's dialed and like a knife goes together in like five minutes and it's like, okay, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. That's how most of the yeah, games right now the like exploring. Like, they're getting to yeah, that too. But like, then it's I all feel the like you started those and they were done in like two or three days. They were yeah. fast. And then, Once I had all the parts done. The mach- Sorry, there's a delay. What were you saying, Alec? I, I was going to say <laughs> like there's, there's a, so the, so the lock was the main thing is like what I was dealing with is like I had to like grind off a lot of material for the lock. So what I did this time is I machined a lot of that up front and I double checked it to make sure that I wasn't going to like overshoot that uh, amount of material. And I only needed a little bit of material to take off on the, on the grinding jig for the lock base. 
So that was the main thing I was taking up a lot of time. So what I've been doing is like just trying to find low hanging fruit and like try to clean up like that time wasted, um, if you will, in those processes. So the lock for that was a big thing. And then the detents, now that I have this little mini, mini uh, arbor press with a stop on it, it's going to help with that detent setting and all that stuff. And then the fact that after talking with you guys and changing the uh, geometry or the thickness of the, the lock bar cutout, now I can set all the lock bars exactly the same, put a, you know, a razor blade uh, in there to kind of prop it open and then just hit them all with a torch and they're done. Like, I don't need to worry about setting all those by hand. No, that's so, awesome, man. That's huge. Yeah. I uh, Do you find when you do it that way, you have to kind of remove some tension? Because like when I do it yes. that way, that's the thinnest yes. thing possible, but I still back it off like 50% yep. of where it is after. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's that's sweet, man. The, the, they look awesome. So much time. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. But yeah, the, the I time savings. Oh, for sure. You guys are definitely getting one. I just want to throw some scales on mine. I mine's beat to oh, I don't have it in my pocket. It's took it out when I went to the gym. Um mine's all fucked. I stabbed mine into con uh my surface plate yesterday, accidentally. Trying to cut something open. No, I don't know what I was doing, but yeah, I stabbed the tip of that fucker right into the granite. Oops. <laughs> Nothing happened. The granite? Yeah. Yeah, that's what my, my mic was he's like, I think that's is that what you're supposed to do? I'm like, Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. Stab your knife into a granite block. There you go. Oh, and that was another thing too, is like the heat treat is like I changed the actual I changed or actually I contacted the heat treat company that I use here locally. And I was like, can I just like give you a protocol? And they're like, Yeah, we'll do whatever you want us to do. Like it's not a big deal. Nice. So then I just changed the protocol for the LMAX and they're like, Yeah, that actually works out easier for us. And I was like, Cool. Got all the blades back and they were within you know, the tolerance I gave them and shit's dialed. For hardness or flatness? For hardness. Flatness, go, they go to Nifty Bar. Nifty Bar always, they always do a good job for me on the blades. Yeah, they recognize you're a local and they hook you up. They're like, oh, yeah, this guy. <laughs> we'll do him right. He's a New York boy. I bought Fuck him donuts last year, guys. too. And they're like, oh, this is going to go a long way. And I've noticed that the donuts has gotten better. I mean, that's smart. I always appreciated when guys would bring in, uh, like, a salesman would bring in, like, donuts or pizza out of the old shop. Yeah, absolutely. I, liked, I liked them more that day. Bagels or whatever. So I'm just going to do right, that. You can bug me for 10 minutes. And, and the surface finish after they're hard is way better. Oh, yeah. And it just tumbles right out. Yeah, I've been yeah. doing a lot more tumbled, uh, like finishing things before heat treat and just tumbling them finished. And like, honestly, even if I wanted a satin finish on some features, I believe I would still tumble them to get the base finish as tumbled and then satin way easier yeah. than like trying to satin, like a heat treated finish. Absolutely. Yeah. It's so much better. I really need to invest in a good tumbler because I'm getting to the point where I'm tumbling enough stuff where these little like ammo tumblers that I have that are like two, 300 bucks. They do a good job, but it takes three hours 
you know, to, out, man. I know, I know it's a large investment, but this tumbler right here is saving me so much time. How much was it? Like six thousand? Seven shipped. It's a hundred percent something. I'm really trying to think about what I want to do as I'm planning my shop expansion uh, for the spring um, and like where I can make equipment improvements, um, not just for me, but also for like Mike with the finishing stuff that he's doing, like multiple high speed drill presses for dedicated, you know, we still do detents manually. And so having like and tune them manually, opening up holes and stuff, depending on whatever. And so not having to switch um switch tools having dedicated setup for like lap and have like a conveyor belt style of like do 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 you know yeah. where everything is like kind of dedicated just to save some time and um let you to kind of do more things at once um 100 you know that or or a dedicated tumbling station with a better tumbler like how am i going to use i'm adding on i think like 900 square feet like 30 by 30 um nice and so i'm trying to just best figure out how i want to use that so that's going to be connected too right i'm just looking I, at my shop and it's you're like basically my shop you're adding on to your shop yeah more or less i have 1200 square feet now and i'm just straight up adding on a box next door with lower ceilings i was originally going to try and do like a bonus trust to have a room upstairs like eight foot ceilings in the lower shop and then have like a bonus room that runs the length of the building but from a cost perspective and everything, it just seems to make sense. I can have the Amish come in and for like 16,000 bucks, they can add on like it's a post frame building like my shop. I have it now, but they will do I think they're called like a Canadian style footer where they like actually make it's not block, but between the post frames, they'll put like a a plywood box that they then build the framing for the interior walls on so that you can then put insulation directly in the walls. I had to do something similar in here, but a post frame building, you know, they have poles every eight feet and then they have purlins that go between, but you actually have to frame the inside walls. So yeah, for like 16,000, they'll do like, I'll get like five windows, um, a garage door, everything framed internally and um, uh, steel on the outside and actually a steel roof. So the only thing I'll need beyond that is a garage door and then insulate and do everything else that I do. But yeah, like this shop cost me during COVID, it was like 80, 88,000, I think to build it. And so fuck man, like I was like, kind of nervous about it. And then I started getting quotes and I'm like, shit, it's way cheaper now than it was like three and a half oh, years yeah. ago. And then the Amish, you can actually like, get, you can actually it, get it, quality, quality work. You can actually get materials now. Dude, honestly, the Amish are good. If, yeah, you can actually get materials like, okay, so I was like, like reviewing some of the, the stuff from when I built this shop, a four by eight sheet of three quarter inch OSB was $70. Yeah. <laughs> Two by fours were eight fifty a piece. Mm -hmm. Like, and I was like, I ended up finding some like lesser expensive lumber, but like, like the steel, I mean, everything was just so outrageous. And like, I look back at that time and I like took such a serious risk. You know, and I like it paid off, obviously. And I in the moment, I was just like, you know what? I'm just doing this. But I look back on it now and I'm like, I took every cent that I had. And then some yeah. during like the most uncertain time and the most expensive thing time ever. And I was just like, just push through it. And like, I like am happy that I did. But I realize now, like, just what a risk it was, you know, and like 
everything well, was that, so uncertain. Well, now every risk going forward is that much lower, you know, like, <laughs> like you don't even need to think about anything at like, yeah, it, it's a no brainer to do that. If it, it seems like it's a risk to just do it, you know, like that's kind of like, where I'm at with it is like, <laughs> if I made, if I made that work, there's nothing I can't make work. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that was six months of like every night after work being out here working on this place. Yeah. You know, I'm not a carpenter. I had a lot of friends and they all did stuff for me, you know, for less expensive, but I was right there with every single person. I framed this with a buddy. I hung all the drywall with a buddy. I hung the ceiling with a buddy. I wired it with a buddy. Like everything I did, I insulated it all myself. You know, I did everything with someone. Like there was nothing aside from like pouring the concrete that like I didn't do inside this shop. Um, and like, I think that it'll go a lot faster and smoother just because I have like the network of people now and like kind of the process in place. Um, but yeah, I was flying by the seat of my pants, you know what I mean? I'll get a zoning permit, then get a building permit and trying to like arrange all these people and like work around weather and everything. And now it's like, yeah, I don't think this is going to be that big of a deal. Now it's just a matter of have the money, spend the money. Yeah, exactly. I think, so that's, a big, I think on- that's a big thing for a, a lot of people is like they they don't take the risk because it's like either the money isn't there or they're afraid to spend the money. But once you do, you realize that like it's it's definitely worth it. Like if you just trust yourself and like just do it, like it's definitely worth it. No, for sure. That That is a big like thing with risk, right? Like it's like it really kind of like falls back. Everything is this way. Like I think about this in hunting a lot, right? Like I think back to like all these harebrained strategies that I was trying to implement, like when I was trying to kill my first buck with a bow and like it all is theoretical until it works. And then when it works, you have that in your head, like, okay, I had a plan, I executed it and it worked. And now you have a different level of confidence than you had when it was all just guesswork and you were hoping that it was going to come together. That applies here too, which is like, once you've done it and you have like the experience in your back pocket, you're like, I could do this again. You know, you're building on, you're building on those experiences a hundred percent. I agree with that. But Ken, what were you saying? Is that going to what? No, is it going to extend onto the neighboring property? Uh, uh-uh, it's going right up to my, right up to um, what's technically my mom's line. We didn't yeah. transfer over um, that back acre from her place yet. Cause like the surveying is kind of expensive, but um what I am able to do is I can get a, ver- you're supposed to have a, a seven foot easement from, you know, the side property lines. And then you need to have like a 12 foot easement from the back property line. Um, but I can get a variance that allows me to build right up to my property line. If she signs off on it, which is easy, you know, just go to the zoning, you know, the zoning office and get that paperwork. She signs it and like, it's She's good like, wait, because- wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing <laughs> well, here now? What are you doing here, Jim? <laughs> Seems a little shifty. Yeah, no. And then going forward, like not that I would ever expect that house to leave family ownership, even after she passes in 15 or 20 years. But like, because that variance was signed by the owner, you know, there's nothing that like the future owner could do about it. Yeah. You're a little yeah. close to my property. I'm like, well, yeah. sorry. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, I'm pretty much, that's going to take this shop seven feet from my North property line and right up to the property line on my, uh, yeah, my property is 80 feet wide. So I'll be 70. Yeah. I'll be, yeah, I'll be 70, 70 feet wide, which is nice. Um, so you got 12 in the back. Yeah, I'm excited, on the left. We're like bursting at the seams in here. Yeah. 
I have actually I actually put 15 on the back. Um, and I mean, because it's all there's no survey pins, right? It's like, yeah, my neighbors, I'm seven feet from my neighbor's fence. But is their fence really where their property line is? I don't fucking know. You know, like, did we build it exactly seven feet or did we go 10 feet? You know, I don't know. Yeah. So and you that's all they that do when you, when you get approval for your zoning permit. What for what in the back? My mom's like behind her on the house? backside. Oh, all the time behind the shop. You guys use yeah, that, all the time, that area man. for stuff. Uh, so the way the property sets up actually is the person like that owns the property behind me, um, actually lives 90 degrees, like on a side street from me, like our, our yards, like, like butt up to each other perpendicularly. So I can't actually use the back area right behind my shop because it's my neighbors. And I'm actually trying to work out purchasing like the 80 feet at the back end of their property so that my square goes further back. But there's this like weird situation where the woman that lives in it inherited it from her father who died. It was her childhood home. And then her daughter lives out of state. Well, when her dad died, her dad said that he willed the house to his daughter and he gave his granddaughter like a quarter million dollars or something like that was her inheritance. Well, it turns out, that he gave that money to her. She spent all of it. And then it was actually supposed to be the other way around. So the house is actually still in the granddaughter's name, even though the <laughs> mom lives there. So I said to my, the mom, like, can we do this? She's like, I wouldn't care, but honestly, like it's the deeds not in my name and I can't do anything with it. And I don't talk to my daughter anymore because of this situation. So, um, I thought about like, if you go on Onyx, it'll give you a tax address for like the property owner and i thought about like sending her a letter like hey i'm like the back neighbor at your like grandfather's place blah 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 like could i pay you some money for this and seeing if she responds to me um seems like but, she would yeah, so i don't know how <laughs> i mean she seems pretty greedy if she spent a quarter million dollars in like a year i'm sure she probably wouldn't mind like making a couple more bucks to like sell her mom's property that <laughs> she like owns yeah, it i'll give you a you thousand I mean? bucks for some dirt yeah low ball yeah, shit. I, mean, I would imagine for that like whatever it is would probably be a, a couple bucks more than that but i mean i don't think it'll be all all that bad the problem comes with like paying for the surveying of it you know to do the the parcel uh change but um yeah like our zoning office is very it's interesting right like they're saying you need all these easements and shit but all you need to do is like bring in like a hand-drawn sketch with like hand-drawn dimensions of like what you plan to do and they're like okay, we trust you're going to keep these easements correct. And then here's your zoning permit, go get a building permit. And then like they, the zoning office then sends somebody when you're done to like confirm that you did it to like reassess your property value. But like they don't pull the tape measure out. They don't have a surveyor come out and like pull pins or like shoot lines of whatever they call them. Uh, 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 I don't know what the word is. Uh, azimuths or whatever. But um. Yeah, they just are like, okay, well, this is here, and this is a this is the size you said it is, and so you're, this is how your property assessment changes. But It'll, yeah, right, so, yes, <laughs> yeah. The big thing here um, that we're like navigating, and I'm just hoping that it works out, is that like our township has lot coverage limits, where like say your your property is an acre, which mine's just under an acre, um, that you can only cover a certain portion of your property with date for non-movable structures so like i can only cover 33 percent of my property with like my house my garage my shop and like my shop extension and like my math says that i am over the i'm almost over the limit 
but I don't know if they count my pool or not as lot coverage because it's like a feature, but it's not like a dwelling, you right, know, because right. if they're not counting my pool, then I'm good. Um, but there's also like these other problems, right? Like where I built that concrete pad behind my pool, it's like, it's like 30 by 30, 24 by 30. Well, if you get over a certain lot coverage with like concrete between driveway and all that, then you have to have like stormwater remediation because like the water runs off to certain places and you have to have pumps installed around your yard that like pump the water to the sewer, blah, 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 blah. So there's a few hoops I have to jump through to make sure that like, like it would work, but I, I, I don't think it's going to be a problem. Like, it seems like the thing they care most about is that you don't go over the height limit. Like I can't build anything that's taller than 16 feet from the foundation. Um, so as long as you're not over the height limit, like it seems like they don't really care about too much else. That's nice. That though. was like a 15 minute gay. monologue on my part, yeah, dude. I just was, go. I was just, I'm just into it, man. In awe <laughs> just keep going, man. Build on a hundred percent of your, why can't you can do it in the Sims? Like, like, you know what I mean? Like you could, you could put a hundred percent building one acre on shop and your house is inside the shop. Yeah. You should be able to do that. <laughs> Dude, the regulations are, are ridiculous. Like, just outside of my township, like, I have a buddy that lives the next one over. And, like, they don't need building permits for anything. Like, they don't need anything. You just do whatever you want. He lives in the country. It's, like, literally about probably eight miles from me. And, Lucky. like, yep, they don't. They just, like, he's like, yep, I'm going to do this, and I'm not going to tell anybody, and nobody's ever going to know. Te technically, like, I'm, little... I need a permit for a sign out in front of this business. That's New York for you. Yeah. <laughs> But at the same time, if you just put the sign up, nobody would know. I I did. No one knows. No one cares. Hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, again, these are not things that I was really aware of until you start to, like, to do shit like this. And, like, uh, yeah, you're just, it's always, it's like anything. You're just navigating bullshit, stepping around bullshit. Oh, yeah. Always. Do you guys have any idea? Are, are the only shows you're planning on doing makers? Do you have any intention of going to any other shows or doing anything else like in the industry stuff? Like Ken, did you think about CCKS in the fall or anything? Um, I think it'd be cool, especially if you're going to come out. I'm actually going to go to one in Brea on Saturday. There's a local show. Um, I haven't been in a long time. I don't even know if it's going to be very big, but it's, it seems to be run by it's like California custom knife makers association or something. Um, so it's a lot of like local California guys. Um, so I'm going to go to that, just pop in and I'm going to bring a datum and walk around for a little bit. That's on Saturday. So other than that, I haven't really planned too much. Um, I'd like to do makers for sure. I think there's plenty of time to get some stuff prepared for that and actually bring a bunch of stuff this time. Oh yeah. So that'll be cool. Um, kind of sucks that it's the day after IMTS cause I've, you know, with the guys that are going to makers, everybody's pretty much a machinist. So I would imagine they're going to want to go to IMTS, but spending an entire week in Chicago and then going and doing a show the day after is kind of rough. So we'll see how that ends up working out. But like we talked about, I mean, fly out to Chicago, maybe if I end up going to IMTS, I'd rather go to makers than IMTS, but, um, you know, worst case yeah, fly so out, go to IMTS, drive down to Indy, do the show and then fly out of Indy. So we'll see what happens. I mean, truthfully, Still a ways away. you say that because every, everybody's a machinist. But I also don't think that a lot of these guys are like, yeah, they own CNC machines. But like, they're very, I feel like, unlikely to commit to going to IMTS. Like, I feel like it's not even on their radar of things to do. 
There's definitely you know, a few I think of them about that, the people I, that, are that at seem the show. to go to shows, but not everybody. But there definitely seems to be a, a crew of those guys that do go to these types of shows. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure that out of the entire maker allotment, but it might be 10%. You know what I mean? I don't feel yeah. like it's like there's going to be a whole lot of people that are going to be like, which one should I do? You know, but yeah. um, yeah. yeah, no, it's tough for sure. It's it's a it's rough timing. I, like I mentioned off off air. You know, I'm I'm probably going to be elk hunting in Montana the weekend after that, and I'm I'm honestly probably going to pack my truck with all my stuff, go to the show, and then literally drive from Indianapolis rather than driving home. I'm just going to drive to Montana, you know. So, I don't know. That'll be sweet though. Be a cool drive, doing kind of the north. I don't US. think so. It's going to be 30 hours of just straight bullshit driving across like the midwest like flatlands <laughs> you know it's not like it's scenic and then you're taking the northern you know the north end of the rockies like i just don't think you're you're going through like the dakotas or like minnesota or whatever like i from what i understand it's yeah, a pretty montana's way the fuck out there i forgot about that yeah i mean yeah. it's literally montana <laughs> idaho and then i think washington right like it's yeah yeah you're like pretty far west it's a th- like a straight up 30 hour drive from erie um i'm just thinking compared Glasgow to like driving down we're going so it's gonna yeah, I'm just thinking comparing driving like versus the south end of like going through uh like Arizona and New Mexico and Texas and all that shit. That's boring flat. So it seems like at least like Montana and up there would be a little bit nicer. Yeah. Yeah, my buddy actually is going too. So he lives in Nashville and uh his brother in law, his wife's family is who I'm hunting with. And so I think he is gonna drive or fly to Omaha. And then I'm going to pick him up in Omaha, which is about halfway. And then we're going to do the second half of the drive together. Um, Cause I mean, honestly, I told him you could fly, but like it, if we kill an elk, like you're not putting that meat on a plane. You know what I mean? Like I tried 350 pounds, 350 pounds of meat or 300 pounds of meat. Like you need to be able to put it in coolers and drive it home. Um, And so, yeah, it just makes sense logistically that one of us drives and, he doesn't have a truck, so it's like, well, I guess I'm driving. Um, so, yeah, if we had the lead up to Makers, was able to get some knives made, go to the show, and then just boot scoot and boogie out west, like, that'd be pretty sweet. I actually just uh, got together a trip. I'm actually looking, looks like I'm going to Montana the third week of March now, too. Nice. Snowboarding. Yeah, we were, my cousin was over here. He's 22, just the other day, and he has a buddy. This is very knife and machining related, right? Yeah. Um, but he has <laughs> a buddy episode. that uh, <laughs> it is what it is, man. People are listening Whatever. to our shop talk. But uh, he uh, he is his buddy works at Big Sky Resort, um, which is only like an hour away from Bozeman, which is where my buddy lives. That when I was in his wedding, um, and he's gonna crash in his buddy's like dorm at the resort or whatever he stays while he works there. And I hit up my other buddy and I was like, Hey, if I fly out for a long weekend, like, can I crash with you guys? And like, can you just run, drive me the hour down to big sky so I can snowboard or whatever? He's like, Oh dude, my wife, he, my new wife's family, like they own a big ass house on the mountain. Like we can just crash there for the weekend and you could just stay like, you can literally snowboard to the hill to the mountain and just go. I was like, dude, that's awesome. So I found cheap plane tickets and my cousin's trying to nail it down too. But like, Gonna go out wet because we have no snow here right now, dude. Everything melted. We had snow for like ten days. I bought season yeah. passes for my whole family to like <laughs> be able to ride our asses off. And like I've been up three times, <laughs> they went up once. And I'm like, well, if we're gonna snowboard this year, like I don't want to spend a ton of money, but like 
if I have an opportunity to like stay someplace for free, get a cheap flight, like, yeah, I'm just going for it. So that'll be sweet. I haven't snowboarded in so long. This need to go. No. Yeah. This is like my, my travel year, dude. And then we're going to Florida the first week of April, our first big family vacation we've ever done. We're driving down to Florida, trying to decide if, uh, we're going to, um, take two vehicles just cause fuck, I have five kids. Like can't pack seven people in a van and all the stuff you need for a week. You know what I mean? Like, and then I was like looking at it and my buddy's like, you should just rent like a 12 passenger transit for the week and drive down, keep the miles off your vehicles and stuff. If you save the amount of money you'd save in gas, driving a second vehicle would probably pay for like the rental for the week or whatever. So Mm -hmm. yeah, my truck gets like 10 miles in the gallon. So, you know, I'd definitely save some money. So I think we're just going to rent that and, and, and mob down family style to Florida. Oh, yeah. That'll be sweet. And I've never been down there. Yeah, we say that, but I might have, I think one of my kids is going to like die Lord of the Flies style, <laughs> like in the car on the way down. They're going to stake them up in the back of the van. But anyways, yeah. So I shit, it's already been 45 minutes. I mean, do you guys have anything else going on this week or are you just running status quo shit? Alex is on long cycle <laughs> for his frames. Ken's finishing datums. I'm doing the same shit. Nothing new, nothing innovative. Yeah, not a huge, not, really. not a huge updates. I got a project that I'm working just on like... for a a, lo- a local buddy, but other than that, nothing crazy. You guys got to do what I'm doing, and you got to switch your mute back to a space bar because it makes you listen to what everybody's <laughs> saying, and then there's no overlapping in the talking because you got to like actively think, wait till it's your turn and then press the space bar. I think there's a delay because Ken's so far away. That makes sense. Actually, I don't know how the internet works, but it would make sense to me that you and I are make... three and a half hours apart. Yeah, my yeah, I keep thinking too. I always forget. I'm like, oh, there's fucking little silence here and there, but we can just cut it out. It's easy. Who cares if there's gaps? I just try and fill those gaps by continuously talking. <laughs> at least you, yeah, at least you're doing that. I'm not super talkative today. I don't know why. I can tell. I think that we're like just a little rusty. We're all busy. And like sometimes it just be that way, you know? And like I think that that's a nice challenge for us is to like take days like this where it's like, you know, I really don't have that much to say. But like just train it up. You know what I mean? Practice like kind of pushing through it and staying uh, attentive and and trying, you know, we can squeeze an hour out, you know? It's really not that big of a deal. But yeah, this is definitely a day where I just deadlift my ass off before I came here and I'm like exhausted. I didn't sleep for shit last night, heavy deadlifts. And then like I was in here eating something and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm like a zombie right now. Oh, now I, I feel like you guys, guys are intentionally <laughs> like. I thought Ken froze. I thought Ken froze. No, I thought Ken froze. Oh, I was like, oh, shit. you froze. <laughs> I'm frozen. No, that's No, awesome. yeah, no, I'm, but, the, uh, I'm the same. Like I don't have much going on. I just got parts running and then like I always we talk to each other offline. So it's just like update each other again of what we're doing. And then I'm constantly getting DMS of people of like, Oh, when, when are you going to do the drop? And blah. I'm just like, just leave me alone. Yeah, it'll wear you down. <laughs> Honestly, next week we'll have, we'll have a fun episode next week because I'll have those guys here and uh, we can kind of talk with Brian about like his CNC experience as he's like getting his feet wet, talk about his machine acquisition we can maybe talk about like some of his apprehensions with getting the machine, like from a layman's perspective with no CNC experience, like what was a little bit nerve wracking for you? Like what stuff ended up not being a big deal? How was your purchasing experience? 
Like, I think that those are things as guys are getting into machining, like they all have like relatively similar like questions and, and probably conflictions. And so to be able to kind of chat with somebody who just went through it, um, I think would be a, a pretty fun, a pretty fun way to approach that episode. So I'm going to actually order a second mic here. Um, so that we can make sure and have those guys be able to to chit chat when they're here. But yeah, I'm very much excited to being able to dive into that a little bit. And, um, you know, Brian's such a good people that are really into what he's doing that I think he'd be a fun guy to chat with. That'll be cool. It's always nice having some crossover stuff too. I feel cool like guys. this kind of well, blew up a little bit when Alex jumped on, but. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I think we have, I think we're at the place now where we're like a, a quarter century uh, worth of episodes in where it makes sense that like I was talking with Yoni the other day after he did his first podcast and he was like, dude, I'll hop on any time with you guys would love to chat. Like, I think we're nice. at the place now where we have like pretty much covered our bases. Um, we don't necessarily have a lot of like fresh things to chat about because we're all kind of like, you know, in the trenches with what we're doing. And so I think to like reinfuse a little bit of a new perspective, a sh an even sharper perspective, uh, we could bring some, we could bring some, uh, some, some other guys in that are like honing rods to kind of bring our, our podcast edge to a, a razor fine edge. Agreed. Oh, that'd be like cool. that, like that corny, like that corniness. Oh, my wife is going to tell me after this, she's like, I listen to that. You, you're, you're a fucking gay. moron. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm pretty stupid. <laughs> <laughs> she actually would she would actually never say that um yeah. it's funny like you know as we're like white privilege like uncouth um kind of dummies that like you know say stuff that was probably funny 20 years ago but isn't funny my wife is like very johnny on the spot with like not saying gay or retard or you know whatever <laughs> like the buzzwords are these days she is like very like very sensitive to like to that kind of stuff which i i honestly appreciate because I am not, and sometimes she'll like check me. Like, you probably shouldn't do that, you know. Like, she's not like a woke liberal or anything, but like, she definitely like tempers my like very conservative like white man like itis, you know. And so I, I appreciate her for that because she keeps me in check. Yeah, that's what they're for. All right, guys. Well, you know what? Cool. One thing that I want to touch base on um, before we go is uh like the patreon only lotto stuff you know what i mean like i know that uh that that's kind of been slow brewing um but i do yeah, have something, something set there. aside i know alex said he had something in a drawer too um i want to kind of to you know give give that a whirl so i think that's something we need to talk about and try and plan to make happen in february you know i think this is a good month for it as alex is wrapping up gen 4 stuff and blah 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 yeah. blah, blah i just think that would be a nice way <laughs> let's do it sometime in february all right february 1st perfect let's do all it right, february done. 1st um do you do you want to do yeah, one that's all like, i've had it sitting in my drawer for a month so how do you want to do it do you want to have three separate I'm lotteries or you want to do one big one right now i don't know just real it's quick scary we'll jump to be like, second, but... somebody has to have like 3500 bucks laying around or whatever to like yeah you know to buy all to buy all three is kind of a big ask um but the chances are very I, good I though i mean there's only 12 yeah there's only like a dozen people in here so and i and i doubt all of them are going to yeah. be down I mean, to I, drop that so if somebody got in and they're like hey i'm down for that shit you know might be worth it hopefully people don't jump yeah. in and then just yeah, do it and then it, get right back out kind of thing and just like use it but whatever 
I'm sure that's going to happen. I think that but... if somebody's jumping in to have the chance to, if somebody's jumping in to have the chance to spend 3,500 bucks, they're not going to like cut out the $5 a month Patreon. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? Like they might, <laughs> they might, who knows? Somebody, somebody did a lottery one time for me and they're like, can you, can you not charge me for shipping? And I'm just like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Damn dude. That's, that's, that's cold right there. I mean, that's, I've never had anybody say, Hey, can you throw shipping in? Sometimes in oh, yeah. certain circumstances, I will split. Like if there's a, if there's a situation that merits overnight shipping and the overnight shipping probably could have been avoided. If I was a little bit speedier, I will usually split overnight with somebody. If it's a total lapse in judgment on my end and I will pay for all of the overnight shipping. Um, but yeah, I've never really had anybody ask me like, Hey, can you include shipping in this price? We do that now on the knives on the website. It just made sense. It was easier just to, I, cause I know I personally can't stand like when I buy something and it's in my cart and then I get to check out and it's like, Oh, then they add in tax and then they add in shipping. And all of a sudden it's like $50 more. And yep. like, I was like, Nope, I would rather just find a way to build all that into this price. Yeah. It's a little bit less than I would make if I was just selling it privately. Um, but like at the end of the day, I think it makes the overall buying experience like that much more enjoyable for the the end user. Correct. Yeah, it's nice. Oh, you know, all right, well, right guys, I I appreciate it. Um, cool. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. I've been pretty MIA even in our chat. You know, the last like week or ten days, it just feels like it's been a grind. We've just been hustling and bustling, and uh, so it's always nice to catch up with you guys. It's always nice after a week off to know that we're going to get some content out to the listeners um we appreciate you guys continuing to share the podcast every week and um you know staying engaged with us like as always uh we wouldn't be here without you i made a, a comment the other day on an instagram story that like i just keep thinking about it which was like we're not the keys kings of our own kingdoms we're all just here rolling the ball uphill together you know mm -hmm. like it's it's always arduous there are days where it seems to flatten out there are days where it seems to get steeper but at the end of the day, without like the people around us, like both customers and friends, like none of us would be getting to the top of that mountain. So um, I just continue to feel intense gratitude um, for everybody that's involved in this, that's letting us kind of live our dreams and figure out who we are as people in this time, in this place. And, you know, I hope that you guys will all continue to continue to support us in the future. So thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right, guys. Well, cool. it's always good catching up. Enjoy your week, and uh, I'll plan on catching up with you next week. Sounds good. Later. Sounds good. Peace out. Later.